Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,822. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Bellevue, Washington, which is just north of me here in Gig Harbor, with a very special returning guest by the name of Scott Whitehead. Scott, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely. All right, we'll have some fun. Now, Scott was one of these guys. I've known Scott for like 20 years. Uh, I met him when I moved up here to the Pacific Northwest some 27 years ago. And he was one of these people that was kind enough to, uh, when I called and said, hey, I'm becoming a podcaster. And he went, what? Uh, (laughs) What are you up to? And he was my 23rd guest back in February of 2014. Today, he's my 1,823rd guest. So, Scott, I've talked to a few people (laughs) since you were last on the show. Yeah, yes, you have, Mark, and congratulations. Boy, you were ahead of your time. Well, uh, I'm trying to stay ahead of the curve, but, you know, when you talk about ahead of your time and staying ahead of the curve, that's why I wanted to have you back. I love to have guests back on the show who've come a long way, and you've come a long way, baby, with what you've done with your business. You've you've streamlined it, you've expanded it, you've pivoted, you've switched, you've curved, you've done all sorts of things. So I'm really happy to have you back and talk a little bit about what you're up to these days. But before I introduce you properly, I'm going to ask you this. What's one little thing that most people don't know about you? Well, Mark, that's actually a tougher question than you would think to answer. But, uh, you know, I think probably one of the things people don't know about me is that when I look back at my career, it pretty much started in a shoebox diorama that I made in my 11th grade marketing class. Okay. (laughs) For as long as I could remember at the time, people have been asking me what I wanted to do when I grew up or what I wanted to be when I grew up, that kind of thing. And I was always dodging the question because I didn't have any idea. I was also always stressed out about art. I'm Mm. wired on the technical side and I think in terms of symmetry and proportion and all of that kind of stuff, more mechanical orientation, I guess. I always struggled with art projects and reconciling how to make them perfect and still communicate an idea. So while I appreciate it, I have a tough time making art. So anyway, when the teacher comes and asks me to uh, basically create an art project to answer the question that I've been dodging for my entire life up until that moment and says, hey, bring in a shoebox tomorrow. We're going to make we're going to make a uh, diorama of what you want to be when you grow up. I was just couldn't even imagine how I was going to do it. But I basically started sticking things in the shoebox that I loved at the time. Yep. So I was filling it full of pictures of cars and music, audio equipment, and a state-of-the-art workshop. And, you know, uh, when I look back at that now, I sort of realized that, you know, after getting armed with a marketing degree from the UW, I basically turned that shoebox into my career. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating to me. And, you know, having known you for so long and and admiring the kind of level of work that you guys do, I can kind of see all that. But isn't that a foreshadowing, I guess, of the future that you had no idea at the time? I think that's a fantastic story. Do you still have that shoebox? I don't have it anymore. But, uh, you know, I just turned 50 and I'm doing a lot of looking back. And so it's interesting. I've been thinking about it a lot, I guess. Well, happy belated birthday to you. 50 sounds like a 
little pup from the side of the <laughs> yeah. fence I'm on. So uh, I don't feel like a little pup, Mark, but yeah. That's okay. It, it does get better, I promise you. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into what you're up to today because you're doing some really cool things, and I love having guests back to see how they've grown over time, especially when you've had many people on the show as I've had. Got Whitehead is the owner of Benchmark Motoring, also Scrape Armor and a med spec. His headquarters, as I said, are in Bellevue, Washington, where he uses modern technologies to design and manufacture the finest solutions for automotive enthusiasts and much more. Known for their attention to detail and extreme quality, he and his team are always seeking a better solution, which has resulted in what they call the fourth industrial revolution, digital manufacturing, and he's been awarded with multiple global utility and design patents and trademarks. His team's ability to work in both the digital and physical realm has earned them OEM designs to GM, Chrysler, FCA, and others. Their Scrape Armor brand is recognized with Platinum Supplier Awards for performance. Scrape Armor is a licensed accessory for Dodge, Mopar, Chrysler, FCA, performance cars. And during the pandemic, Scott did something else. He rethought his business. He designed and created new face shields for frontline workers, resulting in the sales of thousands and thousands of units. We'll be back in just a moment to talk with Scott more about where he is today. But first, a word from our value sponsors so give them a listen and we'll be right back are you heading out on the highway for a road trip this summer i can't wait to hit the road covercraft makes quality protection for the inside of your vehicles while you're traveling their plush custom fit mats or berber mats turn any ride into something special and are easy to remove and clean after days on the road. Covercraft floor mats are the ultimate protection from moisture, dirt, mud, snow, and slush. Just about anything you can throw at them. Don't forget your vehicle's trunk area too. Their Carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great, but they keep your rear cargo areas and seats protected from the sun and those accidental spills. Custom fit truck liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpet from all those things that can stain and damage the floors. All your options are quality made, easy to clean, secure to the floor, and look oh so good. Check out Covercraft.com for a wide variety of styles, colors, and options for a custom fit. And I've got a special offer for you. If you use the code ya 21 that's Y-E-A-H-2-1, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code ya 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle 
or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Okay, Scott, we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner and talk about how you've evolved the business. And we're going to get into a couple aspects here. One is starting with benchmark motoring, what it is, what it is, what it was, where it's come from. And then we're going to dive into scrape armor and med spec, something very new you did during the pandemic. But let's start with benchmark motoring. As I remember, as you were at the beginning, you were putting in the best audio equipment. You were modifying the insides of cars. I mean, some of the stuff you guys were doing, when I'd come and look at it, I'd go, whoa, this is a whole nother level other than cutting holes in doors and putting speakers in. So let's talk about benchmark motoring first. Sure. So yeah, benchmark is enjoying, you know, really busy times right now. The pandemic, I think, has actually brought some some people back into their cars for doing more enjoyable things than just commuting to work. And so we've had the opportunity to, you know, um, outfit a lot of those cars with entertainment systems and whatnot. There's also it's exciting times. There's so much digital content out there and available right now that it's the car is a great place to enjoy some of that. And, you know, technology continues to improve the integration components that we have now are continuing to get better so that we can plug right into these vehicles in many cases and just improve the way that they sound and whatnot. And Benchmark also does sort of cosmetic upgrades for cars, so wheels and tires and that kind of stuff. So it's been a fun time because people have a little bit more time on their hands, I think. And so we've gotten to get involved in some exciting projects with with uh, people who are spending more time with their cars. Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. And Scrape Armor, now several years ago, you called me one day because we stay in touch and you said, hey, I have this idea for this product. What do you think about it? We talked about it. And when I hung up the phone from that call and went, you know, he's on to something here. So Scrape Armor, tell us about that. Yeah, so Scrape Armor has been really fun to put together. It's a, um, Scrape Armor is a manufacturing company that actually makes, right now it makes front, fascia protection for vehicles with what it's called low approach angles. So if you were to look at a vehicle and just draw a napkin sketch of it from the side and you took a plumb bob and you dropped it from the center line of the front axle to the ground and then you located the lowest and farthest forward point of the vehicle normally on its fascia or its uh, splitter or what have you and you drew an angle with that to the ground plane, you would be looking at what's called the approach angle of a car. And the approach angle is one of the things designers consider when they're sketching cars out. And it actually dovetails into an architectural standard for building driveways and uh, road transitions and drainage ditches and swales and that kind of thing, the things that you drive over. And that approach angle, according to the SAE, should be a minimum of 16 degrees. The reason it's supposed to be 16 degrees is that the architectural building standards say that you can build a slope up to 15 degrees. So theoretically, if you're driving your 16 degree car into a 15 degree approach angle or change in um, road angle, you're not going to hit it. The thing is, sexy cars have low approach angles. And so some of them are actually all the way down to seven or eight degrees. And there are a whole lot of them. They're in the 10, 11 degrees, which means that it's just inevitable that you're going to hit the lower forward 
part of your car on the ground Mm -hmm. or on an obstacle or whatnot when you're driving it every day. Not to mention those evil bumper guards that are in parking lots that (laughs) and curbs that if you're not careful, you hear that sound. It's that same horrible sound when you get your rim too close to a curb. And once you've done it, you've done it. It's over. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so in our work at Benchmark, we do a lot of built-in radar detectors, which has us removing the front bumper fascias of these cars to, to do that installation. And so we'd seen hundreds or thousands probably of cars with really substantial damage in that area. And in some cases on very expensive parts, some of these carbon fiber bumpers could be up to fifteen, twenty thousand dollars and oh ouch. the damage is just you know, inevitable. And so we, uh, anyway, we decided that we could use some of the technology we were into to figure out how to make a guard for that area. And, um, in making the guard, we realized there were a whole bunch of things we wanted to try to accomplish. But the, the primary one was to not just create a barrier between the car and the road, but to reduce the amount of friction because the damage ultimately is caused by friction. You know, sometimes results in a split or a uh, or a crack, and sometimes it results in a hole wearing all the way through the bumper. So, so explain to the listeners since they're. They're visually impaired because we're a podcast. The idea of what this is, it's actually a a piece that attaches to that lower part. And if you think of, I have an E46 M3, not a super low car, but I remember after maybe having it a year, I put it up on a lift to do some detailing or something. I went, oh my gosh, when did that happen? And you see these scrapes. Now, no one sees them except for your mechanic or you, but you know they're there. And they drive you insane. And you look at cars today like some Porsches and others that have actually have lifting systems. So when you come out of driveways and we all have seen people in these exotics and even some really nice, just normal street cars, but they're damaged. So explain physically, what is this thing? How does it attach? I mean, am I drilling holes in the bottom of my car? Well, it really actually depends. So the the what this is is a guard that is designed to exactly contour to the surfaces of the vehicle. So we do that by starting with a 3D scan to get a really accurate picture of what the underside of the vehicle looks like. Or in the cases when we're working with a manufacturer like General Motors, we're working right off of the original OEM CAD data. Or, you know, so we've done that with General Motors. We've done that with Chrysler FCA. And then we've actually worked on even the McLaren 720 off the OEM CAD data. And so that allows us to make something that fits the car like an OEM part. And this is a thin guard that sits on the bottom of the area where the car would make contact with a ground or road obstacle. And it does a few things. One, it it will spread out impact damage so that the impact damage doesn't cause the cracks and the, and the brakes that you see in some of these cases. It does provide a barrier between the vehicle and the road so that when it touches the road, um, you're touching our guard as opposed to touching the car and damaging it. And then it also reduces friction in the case of like you were talking about with the parking block where sometimes you pull up and the vehicle touches the parking block and then you go to back off of it and the fasteners that are underneath the bumper or the geometry of the bumper itself can actually hang on the curb and create a tremendous amount of damage by you know, making the bumper stay where it is while your car is backing yeah. up. Why is my bumper still in the parking spot? <laughs> yeah, you've seen a few of those, I'm sure, that are, you know, sort of vary in severity, but, you know, the damage is, is pretty great when you do that, too. So anyway, our guard fits in that area, contours to the vehicle so that you can't see it um, when you're looking at the, the car from the top or from the front. 
uh, but it protects that area and it's designed to wear for a really long time. It's made out of a really low friction coefficient plastic so that it slides as opposed to grabbing. So the goal is to make, make it slide as opposed to grab and to beat up our plate or our guard as opposed to beating up your car. You're the sacrificial lamb. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Now, can people buy your product from you directly online? I know you do some OEM stuff for major manufacturers, but people can come to, uh, is Scrape Armor have its own website where people can come and find these products? Yeah, absolutely. So Scrape Armor's got a, a website where you can find everything that we currently make. Um, you can also request models if we don't have your car because they are all specific to the manufacturer, the make and the model and even the submodel. So for instance, you know, a lot of vehicles, their submodels all have different front faces. And so we have specific SKUs for all of those. Yeah. So you can find it there. We're excited to be a part of the General Motors accessory program. So you can buy our uh, kits for Corvette and Camaro and all of the General Motors dealers in, in the United States. And, uh, and we're on a lot of that catalog guy sites too. So other vendor partners who have online presences. And then we're sold in a lot of paint protection film shops, detail shop and auto dealerships. Wow. You know, I'm really proud of what you've done with this brand, Scott, because it's it's really a scaling of your original business and wanting to do things right. And as I mentioned, when you and I talked originally, when you had this idea, I thought this is really a great idea. How come nobody's thought of this? Since there was some stuff out there, but nothing at the level of what you guys do, because you do everything over the top and crazy. Now, I have to ask you, since you're supplier to GM, what do you think about the new Corvette? Oh, I I actually love the new Corvette. You know, I would not traditionally consider myself a Corvette guy, but we had a chance to start working on that car about 18 months before it was released because we were working from the um, OEM design data. And then I had the chance to actually work on it back in Detroit. Wow. Um, about yeah, probably about six months before it was out. And when I saw it, I, I was one really impressed. The car looks great. It's got great scale and proportion, but uh, the build quality is pretty amazing too. It really is. So they've, they've sort of turned me around on that one, I guess. I really like the car. You know, they've done the same for me. I'm the exact same way, but it looks to me, it's like a U.S. Ferrari. Uh, it, it very much does. It's got that same kind of presence and uh yeah, we're talking to people that have bought them and everybody seems to be really happy with it. So, yeah, I think it's a huge home run. So It is, absolutely. Now, I mentioned something in your introduction that I want you to dive a little deeper into because it raised a question in my mind. Fourth Industrial Revolution Digital Manufacturing. This is something fairly new and I want you to explain a little bit more to the listeners. What does that mean? Well, you know, the first industrial revolution in the U.S., they say, started with the steam engine and, uh, you know, in, in the late 1800s. And we are now, we've gone through a number of iterations, but right now there's this sort of collision of data and desktop manufacturing, additive manufacturing that has allowed smaller companies and or individuals to start participating in manufacturing. And so... For us, that means that technologies like 3D scanning and 3D printing and CNC machining have all become accessible to companies like us. And so we've been enthusiastically involved with that since probably around 2000. We are just super excited about what is happening with it and how it continues to evolve and how much more accessible the technology continues to be. So 
you know, traditionally you hear something like a 3D scanner and you think oh, that's the kind of thing that only Boeing has or General Motors has. You know, you you wouldn't think that a small company would be able to have that technology on hand or have multiple variations of that technology on hand. And that's where we are today. So it's exciting to be able to participate in making, you know, high caliber assemblies or parts or whatnot uh, right here in a shop like ours. Yeah, I mean, people are even doing it in their garages. So it goes yeah. back to the technical evolution when you go back to some of the tech giants that started in garages, uh, you know, Bell and Howell, or not Bell and Howell, but who am I thinking of? Uh, HP. Uh, yeah. HP and some of these other people. Now, you did something very cool during the pandemic. This pandemic comes and it slaughters everybody and freaks everybody out. It shuts businesses down. But you looked at it in a very different perspective, which I really admire. And you created a whole nother business around helping frontline workers talk more about this other business of yours called MedSpec. Okay. Yeah. So, um, in March of last year, when it was becoming evident that the pandemic was going to be more than a passing phase and that it was going to be around for a while, we were starting to hear about businesses potentially being shut down and, and really starting to see the, the, um, you know, the impact that this was having on the death tolls and all of that. And things were becoming serious. I don't know if you remember that time, but it seemed like, it Oh yeah. <laughs> scary. Sort of a, Hey, something might be coming our way to something super scary was on our doorstep. So we had been looking at or watching the, the news and, and seeing what was going on out there. And our teams were concerned about what we were going to do. We didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know if we would be able to operate or unable to operate. So we started looking into ways that we might be able to help or participate to, you know, at least get busy doing something. And so we had seen that there was a lot of demand for PPE out there. There were people, um, you know, there were shortages on the materials that could be imported from Asia. There was just a huge, you know, a huge gap in the supply chain there. And so there were, we were hearing about all these workers that were unprotected and whatnot. So we downloaded some open source designs. We've got a small 3D printer farm here. We manufactured some of the stuff that was out there and decided that, you know, we were going to look specifically at the face shield thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of the designs we downloaded were sort of temporary in nature. So they were dis disposable or more disposable products. And so we looked at them and thought, okay, these are all right. And we could make a few of these. Let's start talking to the people that would use them and find out, you know, if this is what they want. So through Benchmark, we've got a lot of customers who are in the medical field. And so I reached out to a few of them and was put in touch with uh, the chief nursing officer at Evergreen Hospital, a gal named Mary Shepler, who became a good friend. But at the time, she was so busy that she couldn't even talk to me during the day. So I went to her house um, a couple of days after making our very first prototypes. And she described to me that they had a bunch of problems. One was that they didn't want the disposable stuff that companies were giving them or that was available because the, the disposable products were not designed ever to be sterilized and clean. And so they were holding the chemicals that they were trying to use to clean them in the foam and whatnot on the foreheads. It was creating really bad face burns and they just didn't cover the areas they wanted to cover. So I invited Mary and her team to come back over to the shop. We started immediately by, you know, 3D scanning their heads and um, iterating the designs that we had been modifying already to create the coverage that they were looking for. 
and then address a couple of the issues that I was just flabbergasted by. Um, you know, Mary had told me that they had dozens of pieces of protective equipment sitting on shelves because they couldn't get replacement lenses for them and that kind of thing. So we started creating a checklist and realized, hey, we need to make something durable. We need to make something sterilizable. And we can't ever run out of parts so that they don't work. Because it was really sad to hear that they had people out in front of you know, sick patients that couldn't be protected, but just in the other room, they had dozens of pieces of protective gear they couldn't use because they couldn't get parts for them. It's absolutely phenomenal what you've done. One of my longtime sponsors here, Covercraft, did the same thing. They make car covers, right? Dash covers and things. And they changed some of their lines to take some of the fabric and make disposable garments for these frontline workers. And they did that for months and supplied this to people. And, and it's, it's really phenomenal what happened around the world, but in this country and what you did in your little way, which now has created a business that still exists today for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was interesting. So we ended up sort of taking the, what I would call the design criteria and distilling that into something that we could manufacture on the equipment that we were using to build scrape armor. And we sort of put the businesses, both Benchmark and Scrape Armor, on hold for about five months, and we started making these things on our internal equipment. So we probably built nearly 50,000 of them that way. And while we were doing that, we were creating a four-cavity injection mold with the same geometry as what we were making um, in-house so that we could ramp that production way up. We, you know, we were, with our current, with our staff and equipment here, we could make about roughly 700 to 800 a day but with the injection mold we were able to produce 8,000 frames a day wow. and so we were trying to get things to get ready to scale up so it was a it was a crazy busy time but um, we designed that product so that it could use the the head frame itself would be durable and sterilizable and that the parts that came in contact with the forehead and whatnot were soft and comfortable, but they were based off of parts that you could buy in a hardware store or at Walmart. So for instance, our forehead band foam was sized off of the average size of garage door seal weather stripping that you could buy at oh, Home Depot or Walmart or Amazon so that you would never be down. That concept extended to the band that actually holds this thing to your head. We were using some pretty fancy neoprene wetsuit material um, and when that's available, that's a, an awesome material. But if you were to break one of those and it wasn't available, you could make that with a paper clip and two rubber bands. The last piece of it that we were concerned about was the lenses because the lens material itself, we're using a really high-grade polycarbonate. And at the time, there was a shortage in raw materials and we had to buy, you know, uh, literally thousands and thousands of feet just to be able to have it at all. And so while we did have lens material in stock and we knew we were going to have parts material in stock, we were concerned about what might happen if there was another pandemic or, you know, or God forbid, this one got even more severe. And so mm -hmm. we actually sized the lens so that it could be replaced with a clear two liter soda bottle that could be split down the middle. Oh, my God. Wow. So that basically is very much like we thought of it sort of like the American farm ethic, right? Where if you're uh, harvesting your field and the axle breaks on your tractor, yeah. yes, it would be great if you could get another one. But if you have to be back in the field tomorrow, you weld it up and you get back out there. And that's how we sort of looked at this product. So wow. 
Uh, yeah. So anyway, it's been exciting. And um, it turned out that the geometry that the team at Evergreen helped us figure out was popular in both uh, the medical and dental uh, fields. And so we're doing good business with medical and dental distributors around the world right now. And the product is sold on Amazon. We came up with some interesting ideas to be able to sterilize it quickly. So we had a couple of design patents um, that were approved real quickly on it. And so, yeah, it continues to be sold all over the world. Wow. Wow. What an awesome story. My hat's off to you and your team for doing that. It's just incredible. I'll put links to all the different websites here on Scott's show notes page so you can check out what we're talking about. I've got a little video I'll link to also that the news did of you guys, which was absolutely wonderful. Put a big smile on my face. Let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk a little bit about challenges, mentors. So sit tight and we'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events, where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And coming soon, something new for you Cars Yeah listeners, I'll be teaming up with Craig Jackson on the first ever Barrett Jackson podcast, coming to your mobile devices every week. Listen here on Cars Yeah and check out the Barrett Jackson website for unique details on this new exciting podcast that I'm very proud to be a part of. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. All right, so we are back. I want to talk a little bit about a mentor, a driving inspiration. Other than that uh, teacher that told you to make a diorama that took you to places <laughs> you never dreamed you could be, and maybe you did, uh, was there a key mentor in your life, someone that really helped guide you? Yeah, Mark, actually, um, yes. I've been blessed to have a few of them in my life, actually. And uh, like I said, I've been doing a lot of reflecting lately, and um, I've got a handful of people who have been you know, super, super important to my life, my career, all of that. But I think probably the most important um, that has actually been directly involved in what we're doing is a good friend of mine named Mark Ormiston, huh? who was the former owner of Definitive Audio here. You're probably familiar with them in the yeah. Seattle and Bellevue yeah. area. Um, and he's been a great friend and mentor for 25 years now. So um, I, I met Mark when his uh, pristine MG convertible broke down just outside of Innovative Audio's parking lot in 1996 and sort of rolled to a stop in front of our <laughs> building. And we ended up chatting, and it turned out we both graduated from the Foster Business School at University of Washington. Uh, we were both in the audio business, he in the home side and, and us in the car side. Yep. Uh, but he was about 10 years older. His business had been around for about 20 years and was many times larger than Innovative was at the time. And so we had a great time chatting and we got him up and running and he, and he drove off. And then a few days later, he showed up in my office with a manila file folder and handed it to me. And he says, this is Definitive Audio's last few years of financials. I'd love to go over them with you and show you what I think the good times look like 
what the tough times look like, what I think is important and what isn't. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was an unbelievable gift. And from there, it was, you know, not only that kind of, you know, generosity, but uh, helping to introduce me to some of the other people that I didn't even know I'd need, um, you know, bankers, uh, marketing people, lawyers, and providing, you know, guidance and counseling through the good times and the tough ones. He shared his customer list with us, recommended us to their customers, and just, um, you know, even when it was time, we had grown to the point where we needed a policy manual, you know, they had one and, and uh, he shared it with us. So incredible. I'm yeah. Yeah, that that story is heartwarming because so many people and being somewhat of a competitor in this, you know, same world, but someone to do that for you uh, is absolutely phenomenal. And it's a rare thing. And uh, there but there are people out there that will do that. And they are priceless, really. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've learned uh, a ton from Mark, you know, and probably the most important thing I've learned from him is not to overreact or get too excited when things change for the good or the bad. Um, you know, <laughs> we're still great friends today and his good deeds continue. He's now sold his business and is, uh, retired. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's just spent a ton of time advising and helping one of my sons make his high school golf team. Consider his son, Kevin, who's our IP attorney to be one of the cornerstones of our manufacturing companies. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. All, so, in the, all in the family. Yeah, it really is. 25 years later. You know? Incredible. Incredible. And a great friendship, too. You know, I always ask about a big challenge and no doubt you faced up with some challenges, as you mentioned, ups and downs and so forth. Is there one you'd like to share? And the most important part of this story has to be what did you learn from it and how'd you move forward? Well, you know, there, there, so there have been a number of challenges that I think we've encountered. Some of them are, uh, you know, are sort of global. We went through the dot-com bubble burst of 2000. Um, and then I had gone through uh, kind of an, an ugly business um, situation with a minority investor we had back in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had a great recession of 2008, 2009. And then coronavirus uh, last year. And so I think, you know, all of those things have taught us a lot. And what's been interesting is to look at how we've sort of dealt with each of them as we've had a little bit more time in the saddle. And so I guess the most, you know, recent being the coronavirus was certainly the most global of any of the problems that we had encountered. And initially was very, very scary from a health perspective. But it also had come at a point in, in our, you know, sort of lifetime that we had had enough experience to say, you know what, we we got some things we can do, right? So right. Um, we switched gears a little bit, but it ended up being, you know, for the businesses anyway, something that we were able to pretty quickly adapt to. And then we, you know, really did feel like we'd been able to get involved and be productive. So while it was super scary, Initially, it was actually also we met a bunch of awesome new people in the totally different businesses that were that we were never would have even thought we'd be involved in. And we learned so much during that time and and uh, got to interface with so many just incredible people that, well, obviously, you can't say it's a good thing. It was a terrible thing for the whole world. But from a business experience uh, perspective, it was almost take, like taking a short break and going back for a master's degree. You know, I mean, it was crazy. It's amazing. But if you look at catastrophes, challenges, whatever you want to call them, 
And if you step back, as you said, and take a look at them, how they can spur things, they can scale your business in different ways you never dreamed and can lead you down paths and roadways that you never thought you would turn down that roadway and end up. So it's a wonderful lesson. And uh, again, I keep saying this, very proud of where you've come from and what you've done. And who knows where you can scale things from here because you go, well, now we can go into this kind of a business. So there's all sorts of things. And that leads me to my next question. And that is a bucket list, a goal. Is there another big, hairy, audacious goal, as we like to say that you have on your horizon? Well, yeah, there's a number of things that we're working on right now. Um, So with, with Scrape Armor in particular, we are continuing to work with more and more OEMs, which is really, really exciting for us. I mean, it's been you know, fantastic to be able to be back in Detroit and spend some time with, with uh, all of the big three and, and form relationships that we're starting to actually work and build product for two of the three. It's just been a super exciting time for that. So we're excited to continue to expand our OEM relationships. We're also excited to continue expanding the distribution of our products uh, globally. So we've been mostly focused in the United States until now. And right now, we really are focused on trying to make it much more international. Well, who would have thought? You think about when you started this, oh, we'll put stereos in people's cars who live around here. And now you're global. It's incredible. Yeah, no, it's... uh, it's been really fun, really challenging, and uh, but it, but also really exciting, and it's it sure it makes it fun to get up and come to work every day because there's it's never boring, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about a special vehicle in your life, a vehicle that perhaps you've owned that ha- brings back great memories and a big smile on your face. What what is that? Well, <laughs> it's funny, Mark. You and I have already talked about this a little bit. Oh, I know where we're going with this one. Yeah. So. I've had a whole bunch of vehicles over the years, and uh, it's funny, last year at Christmas, my wife sort of out of the blue bought me a, um, a t-shirt with a Mark I Volkswagen Scirocco on it, and mm-hmm. we had been talking about it a lot because I had a couple of them when I was younger and going to college and always really loved them and had been looking for one. So sort of casually looking for one for the last couple of years. And they really just don't exist anymore. They've all rotted away. (laughs) They have all rotted away. Yeah. So anyway, I had my eye out for one. I had Google watch out for one and I had one that popped up here locally, which was interesting because they, they pop up at a rate of, you know, maybe one every six months on the West Coast. So anyway, I went out and uh, picked it up and it was definitely not pretty at all. It's in fairly rough shape, but it had never been in an accident and was was definitely very restorable. So it's, it's sort of fun to revisit that time. Um, and that's that's what I've been working on lately. So, yeah. I mean, I had some much cooler cars than that, but uh, these always really spoke to me. And so I'm really excited to be starting to put put it back together. So my regular listeners know this. The first new car I ever owned was the Mark One first Scirocco, a 79 Scirocco. I bought new when I was in college, walked in and paid cash for this thing. It was a big deal for me at the time. But that Gisario design for the hatchbacks was so kind of different for the time. And what's funny about your car, Scott, when you first got this and you you sent me a text, it was a late one evening, you said, look what I just got. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting for a guy that hangs around Ferraris and Porsches and all sorts of cool cars. But the cool thing is that first one you got was the same color as mine. It was that green with a tan interior, which was what my car was. But now you got a second one you're bringing into the story, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, 
I bought the first one. It was a local car here, and uh, as I was, it was missing some parts, and so I had been hunting for parts for it, and I ran across the one that I had always really, really wanted, which was the 1981 S model, which was kind of the GTI trim Scirocco that they made for a couple of years, just right. at the very end of the Mark One run. So I found one of those in Jacksonville, Florida, and had some friends down there who were able to go pick that up, and I got it shipped up here. And so that's actually the first one I'm working on, And but I, I think I'm going to keep them both. <laughs> Well, you know, for a lot of us car people, it's about reliving our youth and going back. And I'm really excited. I cannot wait to see that thing all done. Now, I'm going to crawl on your head a little bit here, Scott. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, this isn't what you want to be. This is your perception of you as a vehicle. And I'm going to call you a transformer. I think that's the kind of vehicle you are because you certainly have transformed yourself over the last 20 plus years I've known you. But what kind of vehicle would you be and why? Well, um, interesting question. I, I guess I, you know, sort of one of my favorite colors of all time is the Porsche 911, sort of any of just about any year, except for maybe the 996. I'm not a huge 996 guy, yeah. but other than that, yeah. So I, I guess I would sort of like to think of myself that way. And, and it's uh, not because it's super exotic and it's not uh, – necessarily because of the performance aspects or any of that. I just really like um, the evolutionary design where it's never been a sort of crumple up the sheet of paper it was originally drawn on and throw the whole thing away. It was these sort of continual, you know, improvements that sort of made it better and better and better and better and better. But when you look at it, you always know that's a Porsche 911, right? So um, I think to me, that's maybe the vehicle that has done that the best is, you know, evolved. And I, and I, so I guess I think it's still be a, a 911. Yeah, I like it. That's a great answer. And I think it fits you absolutely perfectly. An evolution, something that just keeps improving and changing. Maybe there's a few years that we're a little struggly, but, yeah. uh, but then it comes, <laughs> comes back strong. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I've typically been asking guests how they give back and we touched on that quite a bit. So I'm going to jump ahead to this question, but obviously how you gave back was rethinking your business so you could help frontline uh, helpers uh, during the pandemic. And I think it's just absolutely phenomenal. And then you've evolved it into a business, which is even better. Is there a book perhaps that you've read of late that you would like to share with others yeah there's there's actually a couple that i've that i've really uh, enjoyed and um i think last time we talked about this i told you i'm, I'm not a huge business book guy because i'm sort of the i love to read uh just stuff that entertainment stuff so uh-huh. but anyway I, I have read a couple of business books lately that I really liked. One of them was called Think Big, Act okay. Small. Yeah. And uh, that was by Jason Jennings. Yeah. And uh, I really love the philosophies there because I, you know, as, as our companies grow and, and uh, you know, the stuff that we're, we're making expands, I, I love the concepts that are in the book and how they relate to, you know, staying humble and, and uh, you know, thinking about large strategic uh, concepts. But sure. You know, staying grounded and making sure that we're doing all the fundamentals right, too. Yeah. And then the other one that I just recently read that was really fun was uh, called The Go-Giver. It's sort of a play on The Go-Getter uh, by Bob Berg and David Mann. And uh, it basically uh, just reinforces what I really want to believe, which is that, you know, you can be successful and still be good people. So 
Yeah, that's an important book, and uh, I share your philosophy on that because we we both have run across people that have not done us well and have been challenging. And you kind of go, you know, in order to, to be successful, do you really have to be an ass? And you don't. <laughs> right? No, no, you don't. And I think that's the, uh, you know, that's it's one of the things that I think about a lot is just, uh, you know, there's you, you don't have to scorch the earth to win. So right. Yeah, and I feel sad for people to feel that they have to do that. We're going to take one last short break. We come back. We're going to go on the ultimate drive. So sit tight. Keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. Don't forget when you're subscribing to use the code CARSYEAH and Linkage will give you $10 off. Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration. And our charity of choice is TechForce Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. TechForce helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. TechForce awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Auto techs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. Okay, we're going on the ultimate drive. You get to pick the car, the person you're with, who's driving, and maybe a little bit about what you might talk about. So what does your ultimate drive look like, Scott? Well, so... I can either go on an ultimate ride with this guy or I can yeah. go on an ultimate flight with this guy. Oh, I don't oh. Know if I can actually go on a drive. We'll have to we'll have to talk about that. But okay. the person I'd love to spend some time with is actually Glenn Curtis. Okay. If I had the ability to go back. So, you know, he started off as a bicycle mechanic and then a motorcycle manufacturer and a motorcycle racer and an engine manufacturer. Um, and then became an aviation pioneer who's largely been erased from history. If you were to ask just about anyone who the first public heavier-than-air flight was made by or who sold the first commercial airplane or who had the first pilot's license in the country, almost everybody would probably say the Wright brothers. Yeah. But this is all done by Glenn Curtis. So I think back to what sort of technological achievements today would be the equivalent of some of those accomplishments in the early 1900s. And it's hard to even imagine anything of that scale that we're even doing today. So anyway, I'd love to talk to him about what made him think he could do it and uh, how his sort of shop floor ingenuity prevailed over what at the time was a lack of science that even said it could be done. 
you know, it's interesting how he really has been a forgotten figure. And when you go and do some research on him, and, and you listeners, I encourage you to do that. Just Google his name, go to Wikipedia, and re- uh, you know, read a little bit there about it, and you'll go, whoa, why is this guy not in the forefront? Why is he not talked about? And I realize in history, when you're you know in school, they just touch on little bits and pieces, and all the all-stars are easy to touch on. But yeah. this guy, yeah, that's interesting. Nobody's mentioned his name. And 1,823 people. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, another pioneering move here. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's great. You know, Scott, it's been so good to catch up with you. And I keep saying I'm so proud of where you've come from. No doubt there are even better things in your future. Before I let you go, is there maybe a little parting words of wisdom or thought or a mantra or a success quote you might want to share with us? Sure. Yeah. You know, I actually had the opportunity to just be thinking about this, oh, I don't know, about a year ago. So as we were building our injection molds to produce the frames for the shield business, uh, the world was going nuts last summer. I don't know if you remember, you know, we had the riots and burned out. It was just crazy. And so I felt like when we made these things, I wanted to be able to put a message on the inside of the frame. And so we started talking about, you know, quotes or things that you might want to say and whatnot. And, I was looking for something sort of simple and short, and it really summed up what our perspective was on all of that, both, you know, the how divided the world was, um, how all the, the rough stuff that was going on and whatnot. And I uh, started researching it and, and found a quote from Abraham Lincoln that basically says, whatever you are, be a good one. Yeah. And that really speaks to me. You know, it, it uh, I think it... Um, it's applicable to the way that you treat other people. It's applicable to your work product. It's applicable to just about everything in regards to how you approach every day. And so that's my quote. It's brilliant. And it's so simple. It's so eloquent. If only everyone could do that. (laughs) Boy, how life would be better for the whole world and for everybody. I think it's brilliant. And I love the fact that you imprinted that, molded that into a product, uh, which just says a lot more about you. So absolutely spectacular. What are the many ways that people can learn more about you and your companies? Well, so um, all of the companies are on the web. So we have uh, websites for each of them. We're on social as well. So there's Facebook and Instagram and uh, all of that stuff. With regards to MedSpec, there's some videos out there that were were uh, done during the pandemic that are kind of uh, kind of fun. And uh, gosh, I think that's about it, Mark. I mean, yeah, they can come see us too if they're in the Seattle area. Oh, absolutely. You got to check them out. I'll make sure to put links to all of these great sites on Scott's show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Scott Whitehead. You'll see his original show. Uh, he was just as eloquent then. I was a beginner novice in uh, learning my trade. Hopefully, I've improved a little bit over time here. But you can listen to his original show. And then, uh, of course, you can check out his websites and see everything that he's up to. Keep an eye on Scrape Armor, MedSpec, and Benchmark Motoring. Uh, they continue to go places. Scott, hey, thanks for rejoining me here. I can't wait to see the Scirocco progress. <laughs> keep uh, keep texting me the progression of that. I can't wait to come up and go for a ride in that and relive our our college days. That would be pretty fun. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!